0: Hello and welcome to Obsession, where we get horribly obsessed, highly obsessed, <laughs> hilariously obsessed with things that other people might find odd. Nothing is too obscure, too creepy or too weird for us to research obsessively. I'm Heidi. And I'm Rebecca. Join us in being obsessed. <laughs>
1: welcome back to Hobsession. Heidi, you have been obsessing over something this past week and as we like to do, you have dragged me along for the ride and I have been obsessing. That's so, how it happens. That is absolutely how it happens for us. And now perhaps we'd like to share your obsession with our audience
0: as well. Well, today I would like us to talk about an extremely interesting woman, who was alive in the Victorian era, and her name was Julia Pastrana. Beautiful name. It is a beautiful name. And for anybody uh, at home who is not familiar with the Spanish language, it's, well, we would say Julia, but the Spanish pronunciation is, of course, Julia. I think that's, that's what people called her in life, so that's what we'll call her. Absolutely. Well, let's start with the amazing story of Julia Pastrana. And this story is so amazing that we will have to tell it in two parts. That's right. So the first part will be talking
1: about Julia's amazing life. And in the second part...
0: We'll be talking about what happened after she died. Both very
1: interesting aspects.
0: Absolutely. So let's start. So, Julia Pastrana had many origin stories. Unfortunately, none of her origin stories were recorded by Julia herself, and most of them were stories that were given to her, and they were outright lies.
1: A lot of the stories were produced to actually sell her as an act.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. So, there is one origin story that I actually don't mind. We like this one. I like this one, and I'm going to tell this story. I think so. It's the kindest one. So,
1: let's, we want the best for Julia. So, yeah.
0: Julia Pastrana was from a small village in Western Mexico called Sinaloa. And in this story, Some local herders were looking for a lost sheep when they found a woman and her tiny daughter living in exile from their community. They were hidden in a cave.
1: Now, I like this particular story because it shows that her mother chose to be exiled with her. She must have had some love for her.
0: She must have had some love for her.
1: Let's hope that Julia's life began with a little bit of comfort.
0: Let's hope. So when the herders saw the little girl, they understood why the two were living in exile. Two-year-old Julia, Julia, was covered in thick, dark hair. The herders kindly took the two exiles into the city where it was decided that Julia would have a better chance of survival if she were handed into the local orphanage. Soon, people began to talk about the orphan with the appearance like no other. And the curiosity of the state governor, Senor Sanchez, was aroused. So he went to the orphanage to pay Julia a visit. That was just the first time she was bought off someone. Yes, absolutely. He was absolutely charmed. Julia was bright, sweet-natured and engaging. He adopted her, but not with the intention of Mm. making her his daughter. While he planned on educating Julia, her role was to be both a housemaid and an entertainer.
1: From a very early age, they viewed her predominantly as something to display and something to arouse the attention and the gasps of others.
0: Absolutely. So Julia lived with the State General until the age of 20. And we don't know much about her life before the age of 20, but we do know that in that time she had acquired three languages and discovered a talent for singing and dancing. So we do have to give uh, Sanchez some credit. Yeah, so these qualities made her very valuable when Senor Sanchez wanted entertainment for his guests. Even with all her intelligence and accomplishments, Julia was mainly known for one thing, Mm. her unique appearance. It is now thought that Julia had hypertrichosis, a condition that causes extreme hair growth, and Julia had an extreme case. She also had gingival hyperplasia, which caused thickness of the lips and gums.
1: You have to wonder about the stars that crossed her birth to have two such disfiguring um, disorders.
0: Very sad. It is, and these and these are usually not related to oh. each other at yeah. all. Yeah. So, of course, in the mid-19th century, these conditions were not known, and Julia's very status as a human was constantly being questioned. It was for a long, long time. It like was. It was, and by people who should have known better. A lot better. One particular
1: one was a very famous doctor, prominent doctor by the name of Mott, who declared that she was a hybrid, born of a a human mother and an orangutan father. Which is absolutely... Ridiculous.
0: Ludicrous. And I I know that we're supposed to judge people according to the time that they live in, but even for those days, that would have to be a ludicrous state. Now, what was she feeling... Having people examine her and tell her this. Now, one of the things that
1: particularly fascinates me, Heidi, is that during that period of time in the sideshows, there were a lot of, quotation, bearded ladies. There were. And they were just known as bearded ladies. But I find it particularly interesting that Julia got tagged with the hybrid theory, possibly from
0: a point of view of, racism oh absolutely from a point of view of racism i mean she was an indigenous mexican woman and so of course there was this colonialist point of view that said you know anybody who who isn't white is somehow you know they would they would have words like primitive yes put on them and yes absolutely i mean It's very hard to believe that, say, a white woman in Philadelphia with the same condition would have received received that kind of statement from a doctor. So, even in that era, there were levels of awfulness to how they (laughs) described people. Yeah, there's levels of awfulness. And I really don't believe uh, a non Indigenous woman would have received quite that level of awfulness. I agree. To be honest.
1: I yeah. absolutely agree. And when you look at the original source documents at the time, like the newspapers that were describing her, all of them at some point said the word primitive or animalistic or, yeah. Yeah. And, Heidi, that is just one of the heartbreaking aspects to this incredible woman's story. There are so many more.
0: Well, we do know a lot more about her life after the age of 20. Uh, this next part of her life... There are some contradictory sources, however. Some people say that at the age of 20, Julia had decided to leave the Sanchez household at about the same time as an American showman arrived with the idea of making Julia a star and that Julia agreed to go with him. However, there are other statements from oral historians who say that Julia was sold by Senor Sanchez. And there is another story that says that the showman, Senor Sanchez, and Senor Sanchez became business partners and decided to exhibit Julia together.
1: We don't, but if, if we think about the rest of her life. I think, I think it's very likely that there was some kind of fiscal agreement involved somewhere, um, sadly.
0: Yeah, yeah, sadly. Sadly, she probably was sold. There probably was some, some money exchanged for her. Now, what we do know for certain is that she did go to the USA and she did become quite a big star.
1: Now a beautiful star. At one point, mm. 1,000 visitors went to see her in two days.
0: Yes, that's true. Extraordinary amount. It is. It is. And so, look, she, she did become famous, but sadly and outrageously, she was billed as the bear woman mm. or even worse, the ape woman.
1: I've also heard um, nondescript Which is somehow even worse. I don't know how. It's like she's a non-entity. Also the dog-faced
0: woman and the ape-faced woman. And the baboon woman, I think, was another one. Oh, good Lord.
1: They they certainly were imaginative with all their insults,
0: weren't they? They were. And, look, you have to remember that Julia was this incredibly intelligent and Mm. sensitive woman. And she was more than aware of what was going on around around her, she could speak speak and read and write in English fluently.
1: She was also a classical guitarist, I found out.
0: She was a classical guitarist and also a mezzo-soprano opera singer. Wow. Absolutely. So she was this highly skilled performer with this wonderful voice. She could dance, she could play the guitar, speak in three languages, but... Do you her think talents. that's why
1: the 1,000 people were coming to see her? No,
0: her <laughs> talents always came second to her appearance. Yeah,
1: and also were remarked upon with surprise.
0: Like, yes, oh,
1: absolutely. Who knew that such a awful hybrid woman could be so articulate, be so mannerly, be so artistic?
0: I know, I know, and... And as somebody who who spoke the language fluently, she would have heard all of those comments and she also would have read the reviews. Absolutely. Now, the reviewers praised her intelligence, gee thanks, but they referred to her as it. I know. And one particularly sickening review stated, its voice is harmonious. (sighs) So this semi-human being oh. is perfectly docile and speaks the Spanish language. I mean she is she is Mexican, she is a Spanish speaker, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm. <laughs> All right. So oh, that person can go away. He's they a can person. jump in the, in the sea. Get in the sea. Get in the sea. Get in the bin, dead reviewer. Long dead reviewer, you can rise up and get in the sea. That I absolutely agree. <laughs> <laughs> so, although there are no records of Julia's feelings at this time, it's hard to imagine that this constant scrutiny of her humanity would have deeply wound her. Of course it would have. Of course it would have. And I don't think... Look, I know in a lot of ways we are guilty of projecting our feelings onto her, but how could it not hurt? It was in New York that Julia signed on with a new manager. And this manager is the man who would completely change the course of her life. So Theodore Lent, think of the worst pantomime villain. Think of a villain in a top hat with a moustache that he's twirling around and he's come to collect the rent and he's tying up a lady to the railroad tracks. Yeah, that's that's a pretty good picture. That's pretty
1: much it. He'd had a lot of minor criminal charges on him. He was Mm. a bit of a dodgy character.
0: Dodgy. So Lent does many dreadful things in this story. And one of the dreadful things that he does is marry Julia. In the Victorian era, women were already the property of their husbands. In Julia's case, she was lucrative property and she would never be able to sign on with another manager. You can almost imagine
1: him going to see her perform perhaps and going, I want this property, Yes, uh, romancing Absolutely. her, seducing her, but not because he wanted her, but because he was trying to get an ownership over her.
0: Well, he actually did have some problems with her, with the manager that she had at the time, J.M. Beach. And there is um, there is a newspaper article about it that is online, and the headline was, oh. Trouble About a Hybrid. My God. <laughs> that, was, that was the heading of newspaper article. Yeah. And I'll just read a bit of the article for you. One of the singular specimens of creation in the form of a hairy woman has created quite a contest between the parties having her in charge. It appears that since her arrival to this city, she has been joined in wedlock to a young man named Lent who disputed the further authority of the agent J.M. Beach. A warrant was issued on Friday evening for the arrest of the alleged husband and his brother when a partial examination took place and the certificate of the marriage was was produced, the ceremony having taken place on the morning of that day. So he literally had squirreled her off. Yes. And the minute
1: that it happened, the manager went, "Mm, this is my property, I shall send the police after her. Or absolutely. In his case, after it. The hybrid.
0: After it, after the property. Now this is actually a very valuable document. Because it's the one document where we have a tiny piece of Julia's voice. Which is very rare in this. Very rare. Now, it says in this article, she, Julia, stated on Saturday that she was married and would not give up her husband for anybody. So she wanted to be with Lent. She wanted to be with Lent. She wanted to be married to him and, by default, be under his management. So, you know, we can take comfort in the fact that she did have that choice.
1: Well, at least she had one day of happiness, I guess, if she said that.
0: That's right. That's right.
1: (laughs) One day. We're looking for any kind of hope in her story here.
0: And look, you know, she, she did to outsiders seem happy enough with Lent. And she did have a close friend, the the actress, Frederica Gossman. And Frederica Gossman does state in her memoirs that Julia told her that he loves me for myself. Um, Also, in in, uh, Frederica's memoirs, she mentions that a light fog of sadness always hung over Julia. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Now she may have believed that or may try to convince other people to believe that, but I
0: think
1: think we can all pretty much say that, um, I don't know that he much cared for her apart from as being property and a financial investment.
0: Absolutely. And that's not in any way a reflection of a very lovable woman. And do you know what? I have no doubt that if she hadn't met Lent, she could have absolutely found somebody who truly did love her.
1: Oh, the path not taken.
0: But Lent was not that man.
1: No, sadly.
0: Now, look, for all we know, there was a kernel of decency in Lent. Maybe he did, in his way, love her for her generosity, her warmth, her wit. But the fact remains that Julia's husband and manager... Build her as the baboon woman. Yeah, <laughs> and wrote insulting backstories for her yeah. that always returned to the idea of her being half animal. Yeah. So even if he did have some love for her, it wasn't. He enough. didn't have any respect. He didn't <sighs> have respect. It wasn't enough for him to to stop denying her her very humanity. So. At this point, Julia was performing at the Regent Gallery on Regent Street to huge acclaim. And here, the press were a little kinder. And one review mentioned she dresses with great taste in rich Spanish and other costumes. And after each performance comes among the audience to converse and answer questions. And one article even mentioned that uh, Julia gave quite a, lot of inc- quite a lot of her income away in charitable donations. Did she really? She was known for her generosity, absolutely. Wow. Yeah, so that is something that we know about her. And so she had learned to it extensively. And in 1859, they were in Moscow when Julia gave birth to a boy. Her beloved son also had hypertrichosis, and sadly, he lived for only two days, dying of asphyxia. There'd been serious complications during the birth, and Julia soon followed her son.
1: So incredibly sad. Oh,
0: isn't it? Isn't
1: it? We can glean some things from that, like the very obvious. that yeah. obviously their marriage had been consummated. Yeah. Um, they'd been married for five years. So I like yeah. to think that she, she had a um, some comfort in uh, hopefully gentle and loving sexual contact with her husband.
0: I hope so. I do. I really do. I do. I really do hope so. And it is reported that her last words were, I die happy. I know I have been loved for myself. Now, these are reported as being her last words. We don't know for certain. I hope that they were.
1: I'm going to pretend that they are. So am I. Yeah. <laughs> I so need am that. I. <laughs> like just like, you know, for Julia, um, even if she sort of um so longed to be seen and loved and known for who she was apart from her appearance Um, that maybe she uh, projected that and and wants it to be true just like she may have so do I I want I want her to have some comfort and love in this story
0: and look I mean we've given Lent a very hard time as we should because he is a a absolutely horrible person as you will find out in as you find out but (laughs) is it possible that in his horrible person way he did show love for her possibly well
1: if nothing else he would have shown um affection and interest in her in courting her to convince her to leave beach and elope with him yeah so i mean even that alone would have been a nice little period of time for her where she got yeah. to feel like other women felt.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And, and look, she didn't have very many close friends apart from Frederica.
1: Yeah, but I, I was glad that you sort of mentioned Frederica because I hadn't heard about yeah her. And I, I'm glad that she did have a friend. And I hope it's not one of those situations where someone afterwards went, oh, yes, no, we were best friends. Do you know what I mean? I hope they were
0: genuinely friends. Well, yeah, that's true. And there actually was... Um, A noted showman of that time, a German circus owner called Herman Otto, and he wasn't actually a friend of Julia's, but he did meet her and he apparently did have a very long conversation with her, and in his memoirs he wrote something very interesting about her. He said, a monster to the whole world an abnormality put on display for money. Someone who had been taught a few artistic turns like a trained animal. But, for the few who knew her better, she was a warm, feeling, thoughtful, spiritually very gifted being with a sensitive heart and mind. And it affected her very deeply in her heart with sadness having to stand beside people instead of with them and to be shown as a freak for money, not sharing any of the everyday joys in a home filled with love. No. Yeah. So, you know, whether that was what Herman Otto had actually seen in her or whether it was a projection, I don't know, but it's, it's an insight.
1: Just thinking about her giving birth, I have no idea if she was conscious when he was born because it was a very difficult labour. Yeah. But I do wonder whether she had a moment where she got to nurse him or hold him um, or even perhaps inwardly name him.
0: Yeah. Well, I, I mean... I actually discovered this story through an historical novel. And I know that you don't like historical (laughs) novels, but I I do. I was being
1: quiet. I kept my mouth shut.
0: (laughs) But I do. And there is a novel called Children of the Carnival by Carol Birch. And I think it's a lovely book. I, I mean, it, it's, it got me interested in the story of Julia Pastrana. Well, I am about really to say fits.
1: that the, the historical fiction, even though, yes, I don't like, particularly like historical <laughs> fiction,
0: it did introduce us to Julia. So
1: we have to be very grateful for that.
0: Well, in the novel, uh, Carol Birch um, makes it that, that Julia does see and hold her son uh, before her death and that... Um, she cries when she sees that he has the same congenital condition because um, she believes that he's beautiful, but the rest of the world isn't going to see it. Hmm. Which, yeah. I mean, of course this it's a This is why I don't like historians. Of course it's a projection because she's a novelist and you hey, have to but you know
1: Yeah, but do you know what? In all, to be fair, and, I, and all jokes aside, the historians project as well. Of course. Sorry, so to let you know that I actually have studied history, so I tend to be a bit snotty about these kinds of things, but I have no right to be because we all project. Yeah. Historians do exactly the same thing, just to a lesser degree, that's all. Of course. And we're doing it now, Heidi.
0: Yeah, we are.
1: We, We want particular parts of our story to be happy. We want to hate on Lent more than we possibly maybe should. We're not exactly objective in all this. We're subjective, as just as a historical um, fiction author is.
0: I mean, we've very much put heroes and villains in this story. Oh
1: yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Julia, she's beautiful. She's wonderful. Lent, you're horrible.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And and you know, in reality, there would have been a lot of a lot of shades of grey in all of these oh, people. Of course, of course, and of course, it being a different time.
1: Uh, We're placing our own uh, time expectations on it as well.
0: Yeah. So. Yeah. And we will continue to do that because next week we're going to be looking at. Yes. The afterlife of Julia. And by afterlife, we don't mean the spiritual afterlife. We mean the earthly afterlife. So. So. Hang on to your hats, everybody. The ride has not stopped. It hasn't.
1: Her story continues and continues for many a decade.
0: Yeah. So thank you very much, Becky, for sharing in my obsession this week. (laughs) I've enjoyed this one enormously, actually. Yeah. Yeah. And we'll see you guys next week. And if you liked this, if you could press submit maybe leave a review we'd really really appreciate it
1: and of course you can follow us on facebook just look up Session podcast and join in the conversation yeah start a conversation introduce an idea to us goodness
0: knows we always need a new we always need ideas <laughs> <laughs> see you later guys bye
1: the podcast you just heard was made using anchor